great testimonies. And we thank you, Father God, for the word that's ministered. We have notes, but Holy Spirit, we invite you, sir, to come and do what it is that you would have us do. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we're going to start in Jeremiah 29, 11. We have three verses that we're going to use to start out the message today. And I'm going to be reading out of a lot of different kinds of translations. So if you don't have the translation, you're welcome to look up on the screen. But it is always a good habit to look for it in your Bible so you know where it is. You know, we have uh, tablets and all this sort of stuff, and we can just type it in. It goes there. And people know a lot of verses, but they don't even know where it is to find it in the Bible because it's like, well, where, 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 where exactly is Nahum? It's not something you know, you, you go to too often. But looking here at Jeremiah 29, 11 out of the message, it says, I know what I'm doing. Now, this is God speaking to us. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not to abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Our God is a good God. Doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter how people twist the scriptures. Our God is a good God. And he has a plan for every person's life. Every person. And what kind of plan is it? It's the plan. My verse disappeared. It's the plan that will give you the future you hope for. It's the plan that will give you the future you hope for. What do you hope for? At the end of your days which should be long, after you've finished what it is that God has given you to do, what do you want to look back on in your life and see? What do you want to see from your marriage? What do you want to see from your children? Most importantly, what do you want to see from what you did for God in the earth? What legacy did I leave? What, it, what, what is it? Where am I at? Where am I at? doesn't matter where I am now. That can change if I don't like where I am. But what do I want to see? Because God's plan for us is to give us the future we have always hoped for. Now, you don't hear that in a lot of churches. You know, God might do something bad to teach us something. God might do this. God might do that. No, that's not how God works. You may think, well, that's just Jeremiah. What about another verse? I'm so glad that you asked. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. If we read that verse, we're going to read it out of the Amplified Classic. It says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do the good works which God predestined beforehand. Now stop. I believe in predestination, but not the way many people think. God has pre-planned your best life for you. He has pre-planned a good life for you. He has pre-planned, what's this say? Good works. These terrorist attacks, the, these overdoses, these people dying early, that's not part of God's plan. That's not God's plan. God's plan is what? He's already mapped it out for us. He's got your plan. He's got your future. If you're not married, he knows who your best spouse is. If you don't have any kids, he knows what your best kids will be. If you don't have the job you're going to have, he knows what your best job is. Your best house. Your best church. God knows all that, and he's got it all mapped out, and he's got it all planned out. All you have to do is choose. But your best life is what God has already predestined for you. God knows this is their best life. And I will make it available to them. I'll just give them little steps to take that will help them walk in the fullness of that. And then it comes up to just individual choices that we make. So we see here again, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned before for us, taking the paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life. Living the good life, not the bad life, not the average life, the good life. Let me take it a step further because the next verse is going to show us that, the best life. Which he prearranged, again, he prearranged it and made ready for us to live. Notice that we should walk in them. Doesn't say we, will, we would walk in them. We should, which means we could, which means it's our choice. If I'm not living the good life, then I need to ask, okay, why am I not living the good life? What's going on? What, what's happening? I need to reevaluate because there, there's one of two choices. It's either the enemy, which is the devil, or it's me, which sometimes we're our worst enemies. Yes. Maybe not you, but I know I have been. Amen. But it says right here, he's prearranged it, made it ready for us to live. He said, all we have to do is follow that path. Think of Adam. Yes. 
Adam didn't do anything. He just showed up. Everything was laid out for him. You think God's going to treat us any differently? No. Actually, he's treated us better. He's treated us better. So if he did all this and he prepared all this, it's like when you have a kid, when you have your first baby, what do you do? You make a nursery. You don't deliver the baby, come home and say, well, time to get the nursery together. You do it beforehand. Why? Because you're putting everything in place for when they show up. The baby wipes, the pacifiers, the bottles, the formula, the the, the diapers, whatever it might be. You prepare it so when they show up, everything's there that they need. That's what God did for us. He's prearranged all of it. Prearranged all of it. All he said is you should do it and just get on this path. But again, what do we have? We have an enemy, John 10.10. If you turn to John 10, 10, the Bible clearly lays it out for us. It says, and again, we're looking at the message. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. Who's the thief? The devil. What's he want to steal? Your best life. What's he want to kill? You. What's he want to destroy? Your legacy, your future. See, if he can keep me from living my best life in front of my kids, why would my kids want the life I have? What's that do that affects my legacy? I tell them God's good and God loves you and God cares for you and God wants the best for you. But I, as an adult, don't take the steps to walk that path out. My kids don't see what I keep saying. And they start wondering, well, is this God? And then we can't be shocked when they're like, well, I'm not sure if I'm interested because this doesn't look like the good life or the best life. So that's where it comes for personal responsibility as an adult. But it says, I came, this is Jesus, that you may have real and eternal life, more and better life than you ever dreamed of. Is my life more than I've ever dreamed of right now? Am I living, are you living a dream? Are you living a dream? Are you living in a dream right now? Or do you feel like you're not living in a dream? If I'm not living a dream, what's that mean? There's more. There's more. What? Jeremiah told us we could have the end we've hoped for. Ephesians told us we could live the good life. What did John just tell us? We can have the dream, uh, uh, the life we've always dreamed of. It's available. We can have it. We can live it. If we're not living it, we need to ask, okay, well, number one, is it the devil or is it me? They asked um, Kenneth e. Hagen, a very popular minister, what's the most difficult part you find of being a Christian of ministry? He said, living what I say I believe. He didn't even mention the devil. He said, I'm my biggest issue. I'm my biggest issue is what he said. So it's not always the devil. Sometimes it's us making the proper decisions. So we see, what is this? God's got our best life. He's got it all planned out. He's got it all organized. He's saying, I love you. I care for you. I want the best for you. At the end of your life, I want you to say, this is awesome. I have lived a dream. This is amazing. Sound too good to be true? It is too good to be true, but that's how our God is. He's too good to be true. The world will tell you all kinds of stuff. It's a lie. God says, I want the very very best for you the best for you so what are we going to talk about today well the title of today's message is living your best life not living a life he said i came that you might have life and have it more abundantly or as this passage tells us the life you've always dreamed of some people just exist they live day to day and they just put in their time some people have a life Some people have a good life, and some people have the life they've always dreamed of. I like the last category. And I may not be there now, but I can get there. And it's like Pastor Dinah talked about during uh, the the testimony. You know, I've been in places where I didn't like my life. There have been times I hated my life. There have been times I wanted nothing to do with my life. I couldn't stand it. Now, it's before I married Jen, so don't... (laughs) I could... This is my wife. I could kind of feel the vibes like... You're going you're gonna to circle this in somehow? You're kind of making that broad. No, no, yeah, she fixed everything. <laughs> no, Jesus fixed everything. And one of the things he did is he did bring me the right spouse. I enjoy my life. I love my wife. I love my kids. I don't just love my kids. I like my kids. I have more fun enjoying the fellowship of my children today than I ever have. Than I ever have. And it's going to get better. And I like where I live. And I, I just, I enjoy my life. I do. I can't always say that. There was a time I looked at my life and I thought, is this ever going to be anything other than this? I was there. I've been there. Believe me. I'm not there anymore. And it's a blessing. Why? You just have to make steps. 
make a choice. I can go this path or I can go that path. I can go this way or I can. That's all it is, just making decisions, moving forward. What did Brother Les tell us last night? I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. So every day you just choose life, choose life, choose life. And what happens? You start getting more fully into that best life that God has for you. You see, there are a lot of different things that God gives us to help us live our best life. He gives us a pastor who's been gifted with what we need to live that best life. He gives us a church family because all of you have something I need to live my best life. And I have something you need. That's why he puts us together in an assembly like this. He's given us everything that we can enjoy after we get born again or join the family of God. He's given us health. He's given us prosperity. He's given us peace. He's got the right mate, the right kids, the right job. I've mentioned he, he, it's, it's just it's, it's what Dr. Jacobs calls it, a bird's nest on the ground. What's that mean? It's all yours. It's all laid out. It is. It's all laid out. Sometimes we just have to get out of the way. You know that verse they talk about, if you will say into the mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, you'll have whatsoever you saith and mark. You know, sometimes we're the mountain. The mountain of me. I need to get out of my own way. I can be my own worst enemy kind of thing. But he's made it all available. So with this being Life Group Sunday, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on one of those things that God has put into our lives to help us enjoy our best life. And what we're going to be talking about today is right fellowship. Right fellowship. Pastor Nancy Dufresne had a quote that she put in the foreword of Dr. Jacobs' book, Spiritual Father, Spiritual Failure. And if you read it, you remember Dr. Jacobs has quoted before. But she said, when God moves to bless your life, he sends a person. When the enemy moves to harm your life, he sends a person. Knowing which associations will make fruitful impartations is imperative to a successful life and ministry. People come into your life because of God's involvement or people come into your life because of not God's involvement. But people always come into our lives. We need to be able to differentiate, is this a person that's helping me move toward my best life or is this a person who's not? See, we get to friends, all of a sudden it gets real quiet. Everybody's excited, best life, best life, best life. And then we start talking about, well, my right fellowship. Whoa, wait a second. Well, no, there are people that God will supernaturally put into your life that will help you walk that path to enjoy your best life. And there are people that the devil will bring into your life that will try to hinder that from taking place in your life. They may not be people that actively recruit you to go the wrong direction. They may just be people that are just there. They're neither positive or negative. And and a lot of times people have good intentions. But they may not realize that their good intentions are leading you in the wrong direction. Amen. So let's do this first. Let's look at what the Bible says concerning specifically just friends, period. Let's turn to Proverbs. And if you look up on the screen, we've got Proverbs 22, 24 through 25. Proverbs 22, 24 to 25. It's in the Passion Translation. <laughs> Look at my wife. She, she, she's looking it up in her Bible to prove to me. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Proverbs 22, 24 to 25 in the Passion Translation, it reads, Walk away from an angry man or you'll embrace a snare in your soul. Your soul, of course, is your mind, will, emotions. It's how you think. It's how you feel. And it's what you want. It's what you want. By becoming bad-tempered just like him. Let me read it again. Walking away from an angry man or you'll embrace a snare in your soul by becoming bad-tempered just like him. So what happens? You will become who you hang with. It is inevitable. You will become who you hang with. That's why Paul said, um, I've not only desired to minister the word to you, but my very soul. Same word, my mind, my will, how I think. When I hang around with someone, I'll start to think the way they think. I'll start to emotionally feel the way they feel. This is talking about anger. I'll start to want what they want. My, my desire, my will, my want to will become their want to. We've always heard people make the phrase, show me your friends, I'll show you my future. Or I'll show you your future, excuse me. Who you run with is who you'll be like. I've always loved working with children, the parent who says, well, I know it wasn't my kid. It was those people they were running with. It's those people they were running with. Well, why were they running with them? You run with people because you have an appetite for what they're doing. 
People will say, well, my kid just got in the wrong group. Well, if your kid got into the wrong group, doesn't make them the wrong group. I'm not talking about children again. Everybody relax. Everybody relax. Just chill for a little bit. But no, it's important because who you run with does affect you. This verse clearly indicates that. The next passage too, now this one is a little more popular and we're familiar with this one. But if you look here in Proverbs again, 2717 in the Amplified Classic. Proverbs 2717 in the Amplified Classic. It tells us, iron sharpens iron. We've heard this passage before. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Countenance means like your face. Figuratively, it means your face. We can tell what's in your heart by what's on your face. We can tell when you're happy. We can tell when you're sad. We can tell when you're mad. We can tell when you're engaged. We can tell when you're not engaged. People are like, well, you can't tell what I, well, you can't tell what's in my heart. Well, your face is a mirror to your heart or a window, I should say, to your heart. So I look at your face. I can see where you are. I can see when you're apathetic. People can see when you're excited. What do people mean when they say you don't have a poker face? You can't cover up what you're feeling very good. Why? Because your countenance is affected by the people you run with. You know, you might do a good job not saying the wrong thing, but you got to learn to fix your face. I say that to my kids fairly often. Samuel's heard that a lot. Fix your face. You ask them to do something they don't want to do, and they do it, and they're like this. Fix your face. I'm not very happy to do it. Well, make your face look like you are, and it'll help. Fix your face. Change the way you're looking. Because you can tell. You can tell. But this passage tells us, iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. To show rage or worthy purpose. We just talked about the angry man. You hang with an angry man, you'll be angry or you'll be full of rage. Or you can hang with people that will encourage you toward a worthy purpose. But whoever you hang with, listen, uh, we often hear the phrase deep calls to deep. What's that mean? A spiritually mature person, well, well, they will enjoy the fellowship of another spiritually mature person. But shallow also calls to shallow. So I've got a guard. Is this deep fellowship or are we just in the toddler pool? <laughs> nothing wrong with the toddler pool when we start. It's full of pee, but nothing wrong with being there if you want. It'll be warm and very questionable. But um, after a while, we need to get out of the toddler pool. We need to little, move a little further. So what's that mean? Our fellowship means to be a little different. Nothing wrong with it. Listen, I enjoy talking about sports and, 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 and different things like that, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But I've also got to have some fellowship around the Word of God because that's important. Amen? Let's look at another verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 18:24. Um, It's I think this is the contemporary English version. It says, some friends don't help. Some friends just don't help. Don't help what? Don't help you live your best life. They can help you get in trouble. They can help you do the wrong thing, but some people just don't help. But a true friend is closer than your own family. All of the people that you fellowship with, they fall into two categories. They're helping you move toward your best life or they're not. Some will actively try to move you away, but others, they're just there. They're just fun but there's not much that you can expect out of that fellowship. So some friends just don't help. They're just not going to. Now, does that mean that you can't try to reach out to them? No, but you have, what did Pastor Nancy write? She said, it's critically important that we recognize the difference between those sent by God and those not. Because God will bring people into your life that will help you live your best life. He will surround you with those people. See, along our path, as we move down our path, there are different people off to the sides of our path that we run into. And some of those people are placed there by God, and some of those people aren't placed there by God. We have to be able to differentiate the two. So everybody can see here, your friends affect you. There are times that my kids have had friends, and I've told them, I don't like them. Your fellowship with them ain't going to work. Day girls, I'm looking at you. (laughs) No, I like the day girls. 
But I just realized, hey, they could be sweet, they could be nice, they could be whatever, but they're going to lead you the wrong way. So now this fellowship stuff, no. Well, I go to school with them. Well, you can see them at school, but listen, the fellowship with that person, no. They're going to lead you the wrong way, and they're going to get you into the wrong things, and it's going to take you away from your best life. See, I understand they might be bad at me now, but they'll thank me when they're 30. Hey, I got no problem not being your friend. Doesn't bother me. I won't lose a lick of sleep over the fact you don't like me. Dad, you're not very fun. My job's not to be fun. My job's to train you up in the way you should go. So I don't care if you hate me now, you'll love me later. Because I'd rather you hate me now and love me later than you love what I'm letting you do now and then you hate your life later. Well, praise the Lord. What did the early church think about fellowship? Let's turn to Acts chapter 2. This is a passage that Pastor Jordan um, talks about when he talks about doing life together. Acts chapter 2, if we look up on the screen starting in verse 40, and we're going to go to verse 42, it's in the Good News Bible. It says, Peter made his appeal to them, and with many other words he urged them, saying, Save yourselves from the punishment coming to this wicked people. This is after, of course, the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And the people said, you're drunk. And they said, you're not drunk as you suppose. And then he ministered to the people. And it says, many of them believed. The people who heard the message believed his message and were baptized. And about 3,000 people were added to the church that day. So that's a pretty good service. And we continue on, verse 42. They spent their time doing this. Here's what they spent their time doing, the early church. Their focus was, number one, learning from the apostles. What is that? The Word of God. Focus on the Word of God. Secondly, taking part in fellowship and sharing in the fellowship meals and the prayers. So they got together and they learned about the Word and they ate together and they prayed together. But if you notice, there's something very interesting here. It says, taking part in the fellowship. You've got to choose to take part in fellowship. It doesn't just happen. It's a choice. It's a choice. We, we have life groups, and some people choose not to be part of a life group. Why? They choose not to take part. When I choose not to take part, I don't get that part of what I need for my best life. There's always a part missing. You ever put together a puzzle, and there's a piece missing? One of the pieces to your puzzle being successfully put together is fellowship. And it takes effort to fellowship. And it takes organization to fellowship. And it takes time to fellowship. But when something is a priority to an individual, it's never difficult for them to find the time to do that. You ever notice people always have time to do the things they want to do? When somebody says, well, I just don't have time to do that. What you're telling me, that's just not very important. We do. People always make time for what they want to do. Always, 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 always. I can't make it. I just can't make it to that. But you made it to all those sales. You made it to that ball game. You made it hunting. How how do I not have time for anything else? I I have time to take that overtime for work. See, what I value, I will set aside and I won't let anything bump that off my schedule. This is protected. This is precious. This is mine. When I value it, I will. If I don't value it, I'll let any old thing bump it away. You, you, you ever have anybody who's a, who's a friend of yours and, and they always seem to cancel on you? You do something and they cancel. You do something and they cancel. You do something and they cancel. After all, you need to figure out your fellowship isn't that important to them. Or people that would get call waiting. Remember call waiting? I don't even know if people have call waiting anymore. It's on those old phones that, you know, are in your house and you don't carry in your pocket for those of you who are younger. Call waiting used to be you'd be talking to somebody, there'd be a click. And what that would mean is, okay, there's someone on the other line who wants to talk to me. Have you ever been talking to someone and they click over to the other line? What's that mean? This might be more important than our conversation. And then they have the audacity to click back and say, hey, can I let you go and call you back? What's that mean? This is more important than you are. What did they do? They showed priority. This takes higher priority. Fellowship has to be something that takes high priority in my life. The Bible speaks so much about fellowship and your friends and the interactions that you have and the effect that your friends have on you. Listen, I get that you get around people and you love them and you care for them and you've got this emotional connection to them. 
you get actually soul tied. And untying the knot can be difficult. But sometimes untying the knot has to be what happens for me to get to my best life. Because they're not going to my best life, they're going another direction. No one ever said it was fun. You know, when the Bible tells you endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ, we ought to figure it out, you know. All this might not be easy. Endure hardness. No one's excited about that. Hey, we're going to have a birthday party. Everybody come over. What we're going to do? We're going to endure hardness. Yay, I've been waiting to do that. I'm so excited to endure hardness. Well, no one wants to do that. But part of it is, again, sometimes having to change our interactions so we can live again. What did God promise us? Our best life. Not just a life, a best life. And it takes motivation to do that. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I know we're going through a lot of verses, but it's important for us to see because when you start talking about fellowship and people's personal lives, they get a little defensive. It's like, oh, oh, wait, 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 you've come into my yard now. When you're talking about that issue, you weren't in my yard. Now you've gotten in my yard and you're talking about the stuff in my yard. This is my personal business here. You're getting in my business. So, so, and, and by the way, you ought to be able to let people get into your business because they can help you sometimes. But anyway... I realize we're getting into some people's yards here, but let's see not just what we think about it or not what the television says or what some friendship book says. Excuse me. Let's see what the Word says about it. Hebrews chapter 10, 24, the passion again. Discover creative ways to encourage others. Now, this is talking about the church. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion. Motivate them. You don't have to be motivated to do something you already want to do. No one's ever had to motivate me to eat chocolate. Nobody's ever had to twist my arm to eat barbecue ribs. No one's ever had to threaten me to drink a Diet uh, not a Diet Coke. They'd have to threaten me to drink a Diet Coke. They'd especially have to threaten me to drink unsweet tea. Unsweet tea is the reason God made sugar. It's a boiled weed that you have in water. It's disgusting. Absolutely vile. Jenny's sweet tea tastes like maple syrup. It's perfect. If you let it sit out, out for a little while and you pour it, it pours real slow. Oh, what are you owing about? It's delicious. But anyway, no one's ever had to motivate me to drink a Frappuccino or a Cherry Coke or have an extra piece of cake or anything. No one's, why? I wanted to do that. You don't have to be motivated to do something you want to do, but you do have to be motivated to exercise. Yeah, oh, everybody's like, hey, cake, oh, exercise. What is that? That's the difference between having to be motivated and not having to be motivated. You got to be motivated to eat kale. If you don't have to be motivated to eat kale, Dr. Jacobs will be back next week. We'll have a line of deliverance. We'll get all that taken care of for you. All you kale eaters, gag. You have to be motivated sometimes to get up and get in the Word. You got to be motivated to pray. You got to be motivated to not overeat. You got to be motivated to say no to the wrong things and yes to the right things when it goes against your want to. Again, it goes against your want to, your will, which is affected by what? Who you hang with. We just read that. Your will, your want to, that's affected by who you hang with. So we have to motivate people toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. Verse 25, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. It's not the time to do it. Why? When we do it, what, what is one of the things we do? What verse 24 says, we encourage people and we motivate people. Uh, the, the King James says provoke. Provoke is the connotation of poking someone with a cattle prod. How do you motivate children? How do you motivate children to do the right thing when they refuse to do the No, it's not candy. <laughs> you spank their butt. The Bible says you don't spank your kid, you hate them. But that's a different message. So what do you do? You motivate and encourage them with the rod. Well, this says provoke one another to good works. Joe didn't see you at church last week. Where were you? Well, I kind of stayed up too late Saturday and I didn't come. And 
Now listen, that doesn't mean you nag people. It doesn't mean you're mean to people. But there are people that God will put in your life that want to help you live your best life. And sometimes they're going to encourage you to do something you don't want to do. And sometimes you don't want to hear it. How many of you have ever had somebody tell you something you didn't want to hear? How many of you have ever been married? Okay, thank you. My wife, my wife told me something this week I didn't want to hear very much. I just kind of looked at her like, Pfft. But she was right. Of course, she's always right. Just ask her. I'm joking, of course. I was, I was doing really good until that last statement. Well, it'll be all right. I'm going to get everybody out of here, I promise. But we see here, it tells us, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more. In the same way that bad physical habits can kill you, so can bad spiritual habits. You smoke, you drink, you overeat, you take drugs, the percentage of you dying early goes up. You skip church, you don't come to fellowships, you don't tithe, you're not in your word, you're not praying in tongues, that's bad habit. It can result in bad things. See, the writer of Hebrews here said, that's a habit. Not coming to church is a habit. People get in a habit of coming to church. I come to church, I know who's going to be here. I know there are certain people are going to be here. I know Brother Les is almost always going to be sitting right here. Brother Dan, that's his seat. How do we know? His name's under it. You know who you're going to see. Why? Because they've made a habit, a good spiritual habit of attending. The hit and miss people, they haven't gotten that habit down yet. The people who rarely, well, they come for the fellowships, they've created a habit as well. But you see, I can't create the habit of not coming because that negatively affects my ability to live my best life. Every time I miss church, I miss something God has for me to help me live my best life. Something that's ministered from the front, something that I get from the fellowship with you guys in the church because we're called to this local assembly. I can't live my best life without that. God never create. God didn't create us to be an island unto ourselves. That's why hermits are so odd. You ever noticed? What do people say? They say, "Hey, see that guy over there, the plaid shirt. Dude's a hermit." It's not a compliment. It's like. He's a hermit. Awesome. Oh, he's a hermit. Sakes alive. We need to move. Because God didn't create us to be that way. I know you're not a hermit, Kegelis. You're not, are you? Okay, I'm just making sure. God didn't create us to be that way. That's why it's so odd when you meet someone who is. He created us for fellowship. He created us for community. He created us to do life together. That's why he says he brings us all together and joins us. To one another, so that we receive from other people and they receive from us, and we all come and sit in the gathering under the gift in our pastor, and then he imparts to us and ministers to us. Amen. So it's a terrible habit when I just don't show up. I'm missing something. Listen, how many of you want your best life? How many of you always feel like coming to church? How many of you always feel like coming to the fellowships? How many of you always feel like? It's easier to want the best life than it is to do all those other things. Pardon me? He's the only one that said I do it. Well, yeah. <laughs> he would. He's the pastor. He's the of course, we all should. I am too, but I don't feel like coming here. Well, you, <laughs> you didn't have to say that publicly. <laughs> but I show up. Yes, ma'am, but you show up. <laughs> but you, and yeah. then I'm blessed because I showed up. Right. Yes, ma'am. That is absolutely correct, especially today. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny's shaking her head. I'm going to talk to you when we get home <laughs> on a number of things. Actually, I'm taking notes. <laughs> You're on seven on my list, by the way. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. So, so we're talking about fellowship. We're talking about fellowshipping with the right people because we saw from those first verses, Jeremiah 29, 11, Ephesians 2, 10, and John 10, 10, that God's plan for us is an awesome life. Just an awesome life. And we see that who we run with will affect us and help us on that path or they'll hurt us on that path. 
Hey, listen, sometimes it's hard to say goodbye. But sometimes goodbye is what has to be said if I'm going to live my best life. It's why, it's why goodbyes are so sad and hellos are so nice. You ever notice that? Listen, if I show up at the airport and I've been gone a long time and my kids come to me and they say, oh, hello, Dad. And they're crying, we're so glad you're home. That's, yeah, that's a bad sign. And then when I leave, there's a party. Hey, Dad's going to be gone for two years. Yay, yay. Starting a thing is easy. Ending it isn't always easy. So make sure you get the wisdom of God before you start something. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 18. This is the passion. But God has carefully designed each member. This is talking about the church. This is talking about Christians. God has carefully designed you. Carefully. He put great care in it. He put great diligence into it. He put great thought into it. See, the devil tries to get you to think, well, you're not important, you're not valuable. That's all a lie. It is all a lie. God put great care. He thought about it. What am I putting in them? What am I designing them to be? What is it that I'm gifting them to fulfill in the earth? He put great care into it and placed it in the body to function as he desires. So what happens when God created all of us? He carefully fashioned us. He put in us specific things that he knew we would need to live our best lives. But he didn't just fashion us. He put us in a place. See, God, God knows where you're supposed to be in a church. God knows the pastor you're supposed to be under. See, what happens is God will take a pastor like Pastor Jordan, and he'll put in him the things that that congregation needs. See, God knew I'm supposed to be here from the beginning of time. And he knew that he would be my pastor. So what God did is God knew this is what Brother Sean needs to live his best life, so I'm putting this in his pastor. It's not in the pastor across town. It's in my pastor. Not a pastor, my pastor. There's a difference between the two. And he did the same thing for Doc. And he did the same thing for Miss Pam. And he did the same thing for Joe and Liz. This is where they're supposed to be, so I'm going to put this in their pastor. So every time we come to church, what are we getting? We're getting a little bit of that that helps us move further into our best life. That's why it says in Romans 1.10, don't forsake the assembly. No, excuse me, that's Hebrews. I'm quoting the wrong verse. I long to see you that I might impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you might be established. Paul said, I got to see you to do it. When he wrote the church of Thessalonica, he said, day and night prayed in exceedingly that I might see your face to perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Again, i got to see you. Some stuff he's got to see you. If he never sees you, how can you get that? You can't. So there's a part of your best life you'll never be able to live because you're not there to receive it. As I said, things just supernaturally come in. Things just supernaturally happen. Things just supernaturally change. Why? Because they come expecting. Listen, if you came, there's some level of expecting or you wouldn't have come, but I need to come and purposely expect purposely on purpose expect something to happen you know stuff happens by accident but most things happen on purpose most things happen on purpose so i come and then you've got the pastor but not only did he form the pastor for that he also said you know in this congregation where brother sean's going to be i'm also going to put eric gedney so i'm going to put something in eric gedney that sean needs and i'm going to put something in maggie wilde that sean needs and I'm going to put something in Paul Jansen that Sean needs. Now, Sean may not understand it, but he needs it. <laughs> but he needs it. Now, I'm going to put something in Philip Owens and Les Flock. Until I'm going to put something in them that the people in that assembly with them need. That's why the Bible said we're all connected. That's also why the Bible said when one of us suffer, we all suffer. Why do we all suffer? If something's going on with Miss Trish, why do we all suffer? Because what she offers us isn't what it should be, so we all suffer. Because we're all connected. You stub your toe, your whole body hurts. While you stub was your toe, why does your head hurt? Because it's connected. It's connected. So God put in you different, look at the people around you. 
God puts something supernaturally in you they need. Supernaturally. And of course, there's something in them that you need. That's part of a family. That's part of a local church. That's how the local church works. So when we talk about fellowship, this is why you often heard the phrase, hear the phrase, her the phrase. Sound like I'm from Cookville, Kentucky. Her, over there. Anyway, it's a personal joke, sorry. What did I say? Cookville what? Kentucky. Well, it could be Kentucky too. And thank you guys who make the drive across the river. We do appreciate and love you. Don't take that wrong. Bless your darling hearts. But anyway, <laughs> that's why you often hear the phrase, your best friends should be church friends. Now listen, fellowshipping with any Christian is great. I have people who don't attend this church. I fellowship with them. I have great fellowship. Love them. They're awesome. And there are people who are divine connections for me. So God puts something in them I need and something in me that they need. But my most important fellowship is in my local church. Why is that? Because he's fashioned us and put in us things that we need from one another. I don't need something from everybody in every church, but there's something I need from you. And that is something I only get through being around you and through fellowshipping with you. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm very cautious when it comes to my kids getting involved in a lot of different Christian activities. Nothing wrong with it, but hear my heart. See, what happens is people get involved. Well, let me put it this way. Every church has a vision they're given, a place they're trying to get. And, God, and, and, and their end point's different. Doesn't mean it's bad or evil. Listen, there are churches across town and around the area that have different visions than we have. If that's a vision God gave them, specifically Jesus gave them, that's great. They need to do that. And then what God will do is he will bring people to that church that are gifted to fulfill that vision. If, if I were to go to another church, I wouldn't fit. Eventually things wouldn't work right because I'm not gifted for that vision. For this vision, if God's called you here to be under Pastor Jordan, then you're gifted for this vision. There's something God put in you to help this church move forward in the plan that God has for it. Every church around town has that same thing. They have a vision God gave them. God put specific people in that church because they're gifted to move that plan forward. And that pastor's gifted to minister to those people to help them grow up in the things of God. You understand me? Listen, this is not haphazard. The Bible in 1 Corinthians 12 around verse 1 calls Jesus an administrator. What's an administrator do? He organizes. This person goes here, this person goes there, this gift goes in that, this gift goes in there, this here, this church has fulfilled this, this church fulfilled that, and these people go in that church, and these people go in that. Jesus is very organized in what he does. That's why he says God is a God of order and not confusion. So we see here, Jesus has all of this planned out and all of this organized, and what's that mean? That means that we're all going to the same place. We're called, gifted, and anointed to help Church on the Rock go to the same place. What's that? The fulfilling of the vision we've been given. Other churches are gifted to fulfill the vision that they have. Listen, I have fellowship with people out from different churches, and their churches are doing some awesome things, some cool things. And if we don't guard ourselves, what can happen is we start getting wrapped up in what they're doing. We can, I used this two weeks ago. We can start getting an appetite for what they're doing. We start having a heart for what they're doing. But the problem is it's not what I'm called to do. So you see, when it comes to my kids, I don't mind them going out and doing stuff and fellowshipping with different people, but my focus is always your local church, your fellowship within the local church, and what our vision is. They're doing great things, they're doing exciting things, they're doing fun things, but is that what we're called to do? If it is, great, we'll do it. If it's not, then I don't want to get it. Why? Because you're not equipped to do it. You don't want to be in a place you're not equipped to be. You'll feel like a fish out of water. How come I'm here and th- everybody seems to be bustling and excited, but I just don't seem like I'm fitting? You're not gifted to be there. You know, have you ever been to a restaurant and you sit down with a group of people and everybody ordered food and you're looking around and you look at someone else's plate and you think, oh, that looks good. And you tell them, boy, that dish really looks good. Would you like to have a taste? Well, yes, I would. <laughs> and, they, and, and they give you a taste and you, they taste it and you're like, this tastes so much better than mine. Wow. And you keep kind of looking at it. I'd, I'd really like that. 
Mine stinks. That's awesome. <laughs> I should have known not to get the kale salad with artichoke hearts and <laughs> beet somethings. That's awesome. I can't have what they have. That's on their plate, not mine. I got a taste of it. Tastes good, but it's not for me. See, what happens is I continue to fellowship with people that are doing different things. Again, I'm not saying that fellowship's bad. I'm saying you've got to pay attention to yourself. If you're not disciplined, you're going to get in trouble. Well, I think I'd like another taste and another taste. And before I know it, I have taken what was theirs and made it mine. Now I'm in the wrong place. I may still come to church here, but my heart's not here. My heart's with something else or someone else or what they're doing. I'm not gifted to do that, but I got a little taste of it. It was so good. I kept tasting, 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 tasting until all of a sudden I've made it mine. And then I have trouble fitting in where I'm supposed to be. All of a sudden, I don't want to go to the quarry fellowships. I don't want to be in a life group. The YAG group is dumb. Young adult, who wants to be a YAG? Sounds like some sort of ox in the Himalayas. That's when I start getting the excuses. Well, nobody in my youth group likes me. Well, they make fun of me. Well, there's nobody to fellowship with. What is that? Someone's gotten an appetite for the wrong kind of fellowship. That fellowship is exactly what they need. Olivia, she started going to school and she went, uh, well, she's been in school. She's 18. She just started school. (laughs) She started going to um, the university here and she went to one of those Christian club things that they have. And it's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But of course, she hadn't heard the lecture yet. But what lecture do you think you're going to get? (laughs) I know never forget your church friends are your best friends the closest fellowship is there why is that look at Amos 3.3 Amos 3.3 a very popular verse of scripture it says do two people walk hand in hand if they aren't going to the same place do people, two people walk hand in hand if they're not going to the same place? Listen, I can walk hand in hand in fellowship with people, and there's nothing wrong with that. But eventually we're going to a different place. We're going to have to split ways. That doesn't mean I can't have fellowship. But again, you've got to pay attention and be guarded. You don't get an appetite for what other people are called to do. That's not what you're called to do. Listen, if you go to the mall, and you see me and Jen, and we're walking together, and all of a sudden we split up to go different directions... Because she wants to go to this store and I want to go to that store. Does that mean I hate her? No. Does that mean I disagree with her? No. What's that mean? We're just motivated to do different things. She's going to go over to some store that's and get a loofah to exfoliate so she looks especially delicious, I guess. I don't know. I'm going to go to a beef jerky store because I want to try some cheetah jerky or something like that. Doesn't mean we hate each other. We've just got different motivations. We're going different ways. Right here, our fellowship is going to have to split. Doesn't mean I can't fellowship, it just means I have to pay attention to who I spend the most time fellowshipping with. Life groups is an opportunity to fellowship with the right people who are going the same place you're going. Let's finish with this. Actually, Brother Pat had shared this verse earlier when he was sharing. Our last verse will be in Ecclesiastes. Chapter 4, verse 9 through 10 from the MSG, which is the, that's not like something that you don't want in your food, that's the message. It's better to have a partner than to go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, tough. Tough. Listen, we can always go to God and get stuff fixed. But there are also times we need to talk to somebody who's been there, done that, and can help us. That's what Life Groups offers us. Then we continue on to the next verse. Uh, Two in a bed warm each other alone. You shiver all night. Now, that's not life group stuff. That's just... (laughs) Got got a little little weird for a minute. A little weird for a minute. Verse 12, by yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up to three? A three-stranded rope isn't easily broken. You've got fellowship with a brother or sister in the church, and then you add in that Christian. Jesus is involved. You're solid. You're solid. So take inventory of the people you fellowship with. Who's leading me deeper into my best life? 
and who's not. You know, the people that I used to fellowship with, I just don't anymore. Not that they're bad people. I don't like them. Uh, some of them were trying to get me to go the wrong way. Um, some of them were just going a different direction. Doesn't mean I love them. Doesn't mean I don't care for them. But listen, if there's something that you're called to do, then the people who are called to be on that same path with you are the people that you're going to enjoy the sweetest fellowship with, and they're going to help you to live that best life. Everybody wants to live their best life, but it comes with what we said, choices. Am I willing to make the choices that are necessary to live the best life? Amen. Everybody see that? Everybody understand that? I don't want anybody going away saying, oh, Brother Sean said that I can't fellowship with other Christians. That's a lie. That's not what I said. I said you have to understand there's a different level of fellowship that takes place with different people. And when two are agreed and they're going to the same place, that fellowship's a little different than people who are going a different direction. You've got, again, you've got to be disciplined enough to understand this is what's on my plate, this is what I'm to do. That plate looks great, it's exciting, it's wonderful, but it's not on my plate. I'm not equipped to do it. That's how I help people wear themselves down. That's why people go home early. That's why people have trouble in a marriage. That's why people have trouble in their money. They start doing stuff that God never put on their plate. Amen. Fellowshipping in life groups will help us not to do that. Amen. So who's ready to sign up for a life group? Good. Some, some of you, your countenance didn't show it. Some of like, woo! Some people are like, oh, Lord. Expectation. <laughs> Expectation. Right fellowship. Listen, society with texting and Snapchat and all of that, you know, people don't even communicate anymore. They've actually done a study and realized you have a generation that's grown up with social media and they have difficulty having conversations with real life people. I'll sit in a room five feet from you and text you instead of talk to you. And some of you have done that. Don't act like you haven't. Well, sure. Our confession is speaking. Our fellowship is speaking. It's not texting. Glory to God. You're a real blessing to my life. Smiley face emoji. Hashtag. Bless the Lord. What you preached this morning wasn't very good, Sean. Poop emoji, poop emoji, poop emoji. But fellowship's important. And listen, you're going to have to push through what the culture has gone to. You're going to have to push through that social media disconnect to connect with people. And Well, I don't want to talk. You don't have to talk. Just come. Well, I don't want to say anything. Nobody's asking to say anything. Just show up. Show up, smile, and nobody will know you have a bad attitude. And what will happen? The attitude will change. The attitude will change. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. The life group leaders, co-leaders, you guys can go ahead and be dismissed and go back to the tables in the large fellowship hall where people will sign up.